Welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria Show. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thanks for joining us. Back several months ago, it had been our intention to do a kind of turn of the year special, as is somewhat common around the new year, to reflect on that year's events and add some context to what we all experienced. But for whatever reasons, we needed to postpone that show. And at this stage, reviewing the tumult and drama of the last 12 to 15 months might just be overkill. Yeah, you could say that we've all had enough of COVID, news, politics, riots, weather catastrophes, and the rest yeah. to last us quite a while. Oh, yeah. Though given we're in the talk business, I'm sure we'll return to some of those topics in the future. Though with our own special, there is a season angle, right? Of course. In the meantime, we invite you to comment on this or any of our programs by dropping us an email at bobandgloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. So even though we're going to try to keep our references about last year's news to a minimum, we will draw on the experience of this stressful year to put today's subject in context. Now certainly, at many other times in history, people have found themselves in dire straits. Think of the stock market crash and the depression in the 30s. Think of the, uh, the terrible fear and atrocities of World War II and other wars, of the ensuing nuclear nightmare posed by the Cold War. These events and periods in time drove millions to despair. And this past week, we've recalled the passion and death of Jesus Christ and the fear that gripped many who had been close to him for long after his death and resurrection. The Jewish people had long prayed for a Messiah to come, having lived under the oppression of the Romans and a wicked King Herod for decades. It was a time of constant upheaval, confusion, and division, as Jews struggled not only with how to live under their oppressors, but how to respond to this man preaching redemption and salvation. These periods in history certainly help put our current tribulations in context, don't they? Mm, absolutely. But whether our struggles have been collective and widely felt, or perhaps intensely personal, such as when someone loses a loved one or is fighting cancer, as you did, right? Mm. There is one element that seems indispensable in these situations, if not elusive at times, and that is hope. What is this thing called hope? a word that we casually insert into our everyday language. I hope it's sunny tomorrow. I hope my team does well this year. Or, I, you know, you say to somebody, I hope you feel better. Or, I hope you do well on your exam. Or, I hope I make it downtown in time, you know. Right. I hope the weather is better soon. You know, all these things. A lot of times people say, hopefully this, hopefully that, right? Right. Well, is hope something trivial or is it is it something that's fleeting, a thin, you know, emotional expression that we wish things were better? Is, is, that, is that really what we're saying? Is it the last thing we grope for when all else fails? Is it silly to even talk in terms of hope when so many of us measure things in this world by visible success or failure and the brutality of the reality of life, you know, to say you're a realist and so forth? Uh, does that mean you, you really don't buy into the notion of hope? Well, we're going to talk about all of these things and more today as we discuss the concept of hope. 
Yes, this is a great time of the year to discuss hope, Bob. And in fact, it's almost impossible to separate springtime and hope, no matter what's going on in the news. According to Dr. Anthony Scioli, spring and hope are intertwined in the mind, body, and soul. In spring, nature conspires with biology and psychology to spark the basic needs that underlie hope, attachment, mastery, survival, and spirituality. It is true that hope does not melt away in the summer. It is not rendered fallow in autumn, nor does it perish in the deep freeze of winter. But none of these other seasons can match the bounty of hope that greets us in the spring. I like the way that sounds. This is this is from uh, Dr. Scioli's article that appeared in Psychology Today. It's called Why Spring is the Season of Hope. And he continues, My reflections on hope in the spring season are cast in terms of metaphors. We're going to go over those with you today. He starts with mind metaphors. More than three decades ago, linguist George Lakoff and philosopher Mark Johnson demonstrated how metaphors can reveal the inner structure of private feelings. For example, when we refer to high hopes, we are revealing something about the phenomenology of the hope experience, that it is buoyant, uplifting, even energizing. Dr. Scioli goes on to discuss hope through a series of metaphors. The first is light and heat. Hope has been compared to light and heat. Carl Menninger called hope the indispensable flame of mental health. An English writer, Martin Tupper, wrote, Though the breath of disappointment should chill the sanguine heart, speedily it glows again, warmed by the live embers of hope. Spring also brings added light and heat, sometimes so suddenly that we speak of a virtual spring fever. The first day of spring marks the vermal equinox, a balance of daylight and darkness. In the northern hemisphere, this amounts to an average increase of three hours of light since the winter solstice, roughly a 20% gain. With increased light comes a host of direct and indirect effects that improve mood and engender hope. Most directly, increased serotonin is produced. Serotonin is a major excitatory neurotransmitter in the nervous system and the target of many antidepressant drugs. Among the indirect effects of spring on mood are increased exercise and the physically related but psychologically distinct activities of gardening and farming, though neither of those would be my specialties. (laughs) (laughs) You might want to give them a try. Unless the predominant color you like in the garden is brown. So... Like spring, hope is also a 50-50 proposition. If our odds of achieving a particular outcome fall to less than 50%, we tend towards despair. If we are more than 50% certain of an outcome, we are apt to become optimistic. When psychologist James Averill and his colleagues surveyed individuals about their chances of realizing various hopes, the average response was 50%. For this reason, I believe that some kind of faith not necessarily the religious type, but something essentially spiritual must be present to ground our hopes. So that's one metaphor that uh, Dr. Anthony Scioli talks about, light and heat and spring. Now he goes on with another one. And that's a bridge. Hope has been likened to a bridge that can actively transport the individual from darkness to light, from entrapment to liberation, from evil to salvation. Aristotle likened hope to a waking dream. Samuel Johnson observed that the natural flights of the human mind are not from pleasure to pleasure, but from hope to hope. 
Spring provides a bridge from the barren darkness of winter to the bright warmth of summer. The increased light points us towards the summer solstice. The softening earth invites us to plant seeds that will be transformed into flowers and fruits. And the dormant grass comes alive to dot the fields and hillsides and jogs our memory of the greener tapestry to come. Buds adorn the trees and bushes with the promise of an even lusher backdrop. That all sounds good, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) Especially after a cold gray winter, right? Yeah. Well, true hope is never passive, according to Dr. Scioli. It always is ready for springtime. The philosopher Gabriel Marcel referred to the act of waiting that is sometimes required as part of the work of hope. In his own research, Dr. Scioli found that more hopeful individuals are more likely to be in the active stages of change with respect to incorporating a healthier diet and more exercise into their daily routines. Another metaphor that Dr. Scioli discusses in his article is that hope works as a healing agent. Hope has been touted as the best medicine. Norman Cousins opined the patient's hopes are the physician's secret weapon. They are the hidden ingredients in any prescription. While anecdotes outnumber rigorous empirical studies, there is enough evidence to suggest that a hopeful attitude has a real and measurable impact on health. The healing potential of spring is undeniable. From affecting the remission of seasonal affective disorder to the increased production of vitamin D. Once ignored, vitamin D has become a staple of annual physical exams and a critical part of the healing regimen for cancer survivors. Vitamin D is involved in promoting bone health, proper cell differentiation, and boosting immunity. Like spring, hope is a potent ally in sustaining health and recovering from illness. This is because hope is made collectively from the same biopsychosocial stuff that investigators have separately associated with well-being. That includes perceived control, social support, self-regulation, and spirituality. A survey of oncologists revealed that more than 90% cited hope as the primary psychological factor that impacts mortality. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. In one of my studies, I found that HIV individuals who were more hopeful were less likely to miss doses of medication and were independently rated by their case manager as more committed to sustaining their health. The article is Why Spring is the Season of Hope by Dr. Anthony Scioli. We'll have much more on that. And the thoughts of one Holocaust survivor are also coming up. His words have particular resonance in our time, so we urge you to stay with us this morning. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We're talking today about hope, the season of lifelong perspective of hope. Do you find yourself to be a hopeful person? Do you find you have a sense of realism and practicality that doesn't permit much hope? Where are you on that continuum, do you think? I tend to have a lot of hope usually. Like when I was sick with cancer, my doctor said, 
that's part of the reason you're doing so well. I was so you, positive. You learn, you lean toward that uh, optimistic side. I do. Generally. I tend to. Of course, you know, it's not always going to be where we feel like sometimes, we have Sometimes you're unbearable. <laughs> so uh, we're talking today about an article that appeared in Psychology Today, Why Spring is the Season of Hope. It's written by uh, Dr. Anthony Scioli. And he talks about these different metaphors. Light and heat was one of them. He talks about hope serving as a bridge for us to get from one thing to another. He talks about how spring is often a bridge out of the darkness of winter to the bright warmth of summer. Uh, We've talked about uh, hope as a healing agent. And he also has another metaphor still for us to consider. And that is a harbor. Hope can also refer to a safe harbor or haven. In the Oxford English Dictionary, one of the earliest definitions of hope is that of a protected island in the middle of a wasteland. American writer Barbara Kingsolver advised, The very least you can do in your life is figure out what you hope for, and the most you can do is live inside that hope. Not admire it from a distance, but live right in it, under its roof. Spring restores nature's niche, calling out the hibernating land animals and offering a homecoming to hundreds of bird species as well as the humpback whales that left their breeding grounds for the winter. As human beings, we too are called back to nature to walk, hike, work in the yard, and prepare the deck or patio for a second home under the open sky. And sometimes when I return to the trail, I feel like a humpback whale, but that's a whole other story. Hope is also... think about that, Bob. Hmm. I'm just beating everybody to the punch in case they want to take a shot. (laughs) Hope is also linked to a trusted bond. A good attachment is the linchpin which fuels all other hopes of humanity that include mastery, survival, and spirituality. Until quite recently, psychology has paid little attention to the human need for contact with nature. A rare exception was Rollo May another uh, author who suggested there is an inevitable regret when human beings go too long without an immersion in nature, which of course you feel in winter and which we felt last year early on with COVID when everybody was kind of locked down in their houses, right? Yeah. We can feel it, you know, like it's so good to get out. Oh, absolutely. Um, In an intriguing book on personality theory, Robert Hogan noted that humans often go to great lengths to recreate a replica of the green temperate context from which they evolved. Environmental psychology, a relatively new field, is now reinforcing these insights. One study showed that children attending a school with windows overlooking nature were less aggressive, less likely to be labeled as ADD, and more attentive in the classroom. So, in conclusion, spring calls us back to nature, fills our sails with warmer winds, soothes our weary bones and lifts our spirits. Spring is full of psychic potential because it satisfies the four basic motives that underlie hope. Perhaps this is what prompted Byrne Williams to offer one of the most succinct reflections on hope in spring. The day the Lord created hope was probably the same day he created spring. (laughs) That is nice to think about, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'll have more here on uh, hope. Uh, right after the news. So stay with us this morning. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. 
It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There's a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. So, what do you think of the idea of hope? Is it an outdated, fanciful concept? Is it for dreamers? Or is there something more to your hope? We're in a season of hope, it's said by many, and here on the doorstep of Easter, perhaps it is the best time of the year to talk about hope. And we talked in the first couple of segments of the show about hope and its connection to springtime uh, by discussing an article by Anthony Scioli, a physician, who wrote Why Spring is the Season of Hope. That's in Psychology Today. We're going to shift our perspective a bit now to another author, a psychologist, and a survivor of one of the world's most horrible periods, that being the Holocaust. We've mentioned Viktor Frankl before on this program. Of course, you may have heard of or read his landmark book, Man's Search for Meaning, in which he details the horrors of his time in Nazi concentration camps. But beyond the gripping story of his own survival— Frankel developed his own understanding of how extreme situations can bring us to a very important choice between despair and hope. And we'll talk more about that particular aspect in a moment. But first, let's talk a bit about a theme we've long discussed on this show, finding purpose and meaning in one's life, no matter what age you are, and how Dr. Frankel argued that hope and meaning shape our mental health. Viktor Frankl wrote this book in 1946, one year after World War II. It starts with his chronicling of his life and experiences as a prisoner in Nazi concentration camps. He would live in a total of four camps, including Auschwitz. During his time in the camps, he started developing his theory that would later be known as logotherapy. He observed that those who survived the longest were not necessarily the most physically fit. Rather, the ones who survived were the ones that maintained a sense of hope and control in their environment. He believed that we could find hope in even the darkest of places and that our motivation for life comes from meaning. Says Dr. Frankel, quote, We who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, and that is to choose one's own attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Frankel postulated that when we do not have meaning or purpose for our lives, our mental health begins to deteriorate. When we realize our lives are lacking purpose, that is when we start becoming anxious and using coping skills like binge eating, alcohol, avoidance, overspending, and so forth. There are plenty of those, right? Depression, he claims, stems from when the person we are doesn't match the person we want to be, and the gap between the two is so large, we can no longer ignore it. According to Frankel, meaning can be found through three things— experiencing reality by interacting authentically with the environment and with others, giving something back to the world through creativity and self-expression, and changing our attitude when faced with a situation or circumstance that we cannot change. And in other words, it could be translated purposeful work, love, and courage in the face of difficulty. 
We are all unique and therefore meaning for life does vary from person to person. Another uh, publication called An Overview of Viktor Frankl's Logotherapy, Arlen Kuchnik lists the following as ways we can use Dr. Frankl's logotherapy in our daily lives. And there's quite a few of these that I think really resonate. One is to create something. Just as Frankl suggested, creating something, for instance, artwork, or if you're good with uh, wood and you wanted to try some carpentry and so forth, when you create something, you give a sense of purpose to that thing. It can add meaning to your life in addition to things like functionality. What's another right. one? Um, another one is to develop relationships. The supportive nature of spending time with others will help you to develop more a sense of the meaning in your life. Finding purpose in pain. Now, this is one that uh, I think a lot of people probably bristle about or maybe fight instinctively. You know, they don't want suffering. They don't want pain. A lot of us are just wired that way. Dr. Frankel talks about finding purpose in pain. If you're going through something bad, try to find a purpose in that. Even if this is a bit of mental trickery, it will help you see through that pain. For example, if a family member is going through medical treatments for a disease, that's very, very hard, right? But he suggests that viewing your purpose as being there to support that person is critical. It adds meaning to your life. It adds meaning to that person's life. Right. And also, we always need to understand, Bob, that life is not fair, he says. There is nobody keeping score, and you will not necessarily be dealt a fair deck. However, life can always have meaning, even in the worst of situations. It's also important that you have freedom to find meaning, okay? That's, you know, a lot of the times when we talk about meaning and purpose and so forth, a lot of people don't, don't necessarily have that freedom. They may feel that they're under this enormous burden. Perhaps it's a financial strain or perhaps it's caring for somebody else where, you know, they're in that 36-hour day like we've talked about with Alzheimer's. They have no freedom to find purpose as they would view it. So freedom is an essential element. And the point that he tries to make here is that you are always free to make meaning out of your life situation. Think about him in, in the concentration camps, particularly if you read the first hundred pages in Man's Search for Meaning. It is riveting. And you think, how did this man, how did he find any meaning? But he did. And he, he says an essential point was that nobody could take that meaning from him. Nobody could take that element of freedom from him. Another thing is to focus on others. Try to focus outside of yourself to get through feeling stuck about any given situation and accept the worst. When you go out seeking the worst, it reduces the power that it has over you. What do they say? Expect the worst and hope for the best. Now we find ourselves in an age where Frankel's discussions of hope and meaning are extremely relevant, I think. They're crucial for us to carry on as individuals, and you could also argue as a culture. In another article, this one by author Tim Muldoon, he talks about Viktor Frankl again, and he talks about facing hardships with hope. He says, I've been thinking about Viktor Frankl a great deal in recent days as I listen to people who are confronting fear and despair because of the coronavirus. And he wrote this article last year, just as the coronavirus was breaking on the scene. He says, for many years, my students at Boston College have read Viktor Frankl's sublime work, Man's Search for Meaning, a reflection on his experience at Auschwitz and a sketch of the psychotherapeutic technique he developed from that experience, which we referred to, logotherapy. I wanted them to meet this remarkable man and to learn something about his, how his experience of extremity forced him to confront the stark choice between despair and hope. 
and to choose hope. The quote that he gives, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of his human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way, which we referred to a little bit earlier on. Viktor Frankl was a sober realist. He details the horrors of Auschwitz and the moral corruption of those who worked there. His philosophy was not about wishing away problems or pretending they do not exist, but rather to acknowledge them in their grim reality. Yet in spite of this realism, or rather because of it, he describes how holding on to hope was literally a life or death choice. Those who lost hope, he said, developed a certain look in their eye, a fatalism that inevitably ended in death. They experienced an existential vacuum his term for a complete loss of meaning, a loss of hope, a sense that nothing really mattered anymore. Fight that, he says, and find that which is a source of meaning. Perhaps it is a relationship with a loved one, or perhaps it is a task which one is called to do. Whatever it is, he writes, live into that meaning and discern what life demands of you. For in choosing to hold on to meaning, one's life will perhaps surprisingly, unfold with beauty and purpose, even if the road is difficult. A reading from an article by Tim Muldoon uh, called Facing Our Hardships with Hope, Lessons from Viktor Frankl, and we'll tell you how you can get that here at the end of the show. Now, he argues here, Tim Muldoon, that he believes we are in a Viktor Frankl moment. We must believe that we are called in this moment to greatness. That's an interesting way to look at things. Says the author, I do not mean this in the way you might learn at a leadership seminar or under the tutelage of a professional coach or a personal trainer. I mean rather that our greatness must be rooted in a profound commitment to love with generosity, serve with passion, and work together in solidarity for a common good. Now is the time for a spirituality that extols the unique gifts that each of us have to reach out to one another in care and concern. Frankl developed his theory of life's meaning in the most dire circumstances in modernity, the crucible that was Auschwitz. And yet it is a profoundly hopeful and forward-reaching philosophy of how to live in love. Life demands it of us, he says. Yes, there will be suffering all around us, and we must never turn our eyes from the opportunity to love those who are hurting. Frankl himself served many in the camp, including countless souls who died. And yet in the midst of that horror, he retained the capacity to exercise the last of the human freedoms, to choose his own way, and he chose to love. It's really remarkable stuff to think about. It's very basic, very, uh, very instinctive, um, I think. Uh, although maybe instinctive is not the right word. I think Frankel was tapping into things that required a certain mental discipline, right? A choice. Because the instinct maybe is to shrink, to die, to run, to flee. Uh, we have that fight or flight kind of thing built into us. A mental like strength or choice that he had to make. But amidst his suffering, he was making choices and he was seeing others make choices. And he realized in the course of all of that, the Nazis could not take that freedom away. They could take everything else, physical comforts, they could punish, they could do all that kind of stuff, but they could not take away the freedom. We'll have some closing thoughts on all of this today when we return. Stay with us. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, 
Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We've been talking about hope today, and we have just a little more on that for you in just a second. Let's talk about some shows coming up here in the next several weeks and months. We're going to be talking about critical thinking. Is it being taught in schools anymore? Can anybody approach anything objectively anymore like they used to do in debate class? Mm -hmm. And we're going to also talk about what happened to the American melting pot. Have segments of our population figured out that it's more beneficial to remain balkanized as opposed to part of a union? And kind of a blockbuster series that we're going to be doing here shortly. Um, Is there research regarding COVID-19 vaccinations that is being suppressed and why? Why has the science of COVID much like the science of other hot topics, become a foregone conclusion beyond debate, beyond question. Is all of this settled science? We're going to dig into that with some interesting commentary and your input, and that's coming up uh, soon. Now, today, uh, the articles you've been hearing, again, just to review them real quick, we have uh, psychologytoday.com is the source of Why Spring is the Season of Hope by uh, Dr. Anthony Scioli. That's a good one. Another one is by um, Katie Michael, K-A-Y-T-I, Michael, M-I-C-H-E-L, and that's called How Hope and Meaning Shape Our Mental Health, According to Viktor Frankl. And our most recent article here, which we'll finish up with, is by Tim Muldoon, and you can find that at muldoont.medium.com. And he was talking here about Viktor Frankl and his reflections on choice, the choice to love. And it's a reminder... And it's also an invitation. And he says, let us not fall prey to what we fear, but rather live in the direction of hope. And here's a great quote to think about. A thought transfixed me. For the first time in my life, I saw the truth as it is set into song by so many poets, proclaimed as the final wisdom by so many thinkers. The truth that love is the ultimate and the highest goal to which man can aspire. Then I grasped the meaning to the greatest secret that human poetry and human thought and belief have to impart. The salvation of man is through love and in love. It's a good thing to think about. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we appreciate you listening, and we hope you felt some inspiration from today's program. Remember, to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. It's time for us to go. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step you take and never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. For Gloria Shanahan, the ever hopeful one, (laughs) to our producers and everyone who makes the show possible, thank you for spending some time with us today. You've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Have a blessed week. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.